Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to On Brand With. Through this podcast, I want to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences of me and my guests. Over the coming episodes, I will talk to a range of people I know and admire and ask them about the different ways they use their personal brand, the positive benefits it can bring and what best practice looks like in the real world. And today I'm delighted to introduce my good friend Anthony Short. Anthony and I met each other 10 years ago. About 10 years. And Anthony has had a career within the music industry, very much in a sales role, in leadership roles. And I thought this was a really good place to start because it's something that Anthony and I talk about a lot off mic. And I thought it would be good to bring it to you to share some of these experiences in perhaps a different industry, but how actually it doesn't matter what walk of life, what industry you are in, your personal brand and the impact it has is absolutely key to success. So Anthony, tell us about personal branding in the music industry. And one of the things we've talked about before is how social media has had such a huge impact on personal branding. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's had, an, it's had an enormous impact. And I think the thing where you talk about personal brand within the music industry is that if you go back 10, 15 years, there probably wasn't any such thing as personal brand within the industry other than when you got to a level of success where in reality you became independent and free of the network that had got you there. So in the music industry, you know, for years... Um, you you ended up um, you would you would you would strive for a recording contract. That's what you as an artist. That's what you wanted to do. You wanted a recording contract. And um, at the point when you got a recording contract, then you fell into a routine which involved management and involved record companies and involved some kind of idea of how they wanted to pitch you. So they took your music. You were just thankful to be doing something and they would then say right okay well we want the album cover to look like this and we want you to look like that and your hair's going to look like this and we want you to behave in a certain way and you go you 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 go back to early 60s for when this 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 first started with the you know the Beatles and the Stones um and the only the only point you broke out of that as a as an artist was when you hit a level where you were so successful that in reality then you could take some kind of control over what you were doing what what's changed? That's technology, um, and into in in two real definite areas. One is the ability to musicians to create their own product. So musicians suddenly went from having to go into a recording studio, having to have a, a, a somebody pay for the time to actually record the the, the music they'd written, uh, to being able to do it at home, to be able to do it on laptops and computers at home, to be able to actually produce something of a quality that was was releasable. Yeah. And that started sort of in the late in the sort of late um, late nineties. Really, we got to a point where you you could do this at, uh, on a computer at home, and suddenly artists had empowerment. And then what quickly followed, and it followed slightly ahead of social media, was the ability of artists then to actually share that music with an audience. So suddenly, the the the, the requirement for I guess 
a record company and a marketeer and a publishing company to a certain extent disappeared. Um, and that was the first stage in 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 in, in allowing uh, allowing artists to actually begin to think about how they branded themselves because they weren't beholden to a record company. They weren't sort of owing them the, the way the way music contracts start is you effectively all the things you get at the beginning you, you ultimately owe the record company for and you produce music for them for a period of time until you, you free yourself of that. So you've got the ability to to create the content um, yourself, which meant a huge reduction in cost and, and no need to go and find somebody to bankroll you. And then and then the next thing we get is we get MySpace and we get the ability of people to actually put that content out there. And at the same time they're putting the content out there, they're then starting to think about, well, what is the perception of me that I want to put alongside this material? I think that's quite an interesting point there that you bring up because it's about, for me, personal branding, particularly at the moment, can be perceived as something that isn't authentic. It's this Instagram nation. It's what we're putting out there. It's the fake it till you make it. It's, yeah. it's a, a glossy, um, filtered version of. But one of my key key messages always that it's got to come from the heart, it's got to be authentic, it's got to have those personal values. And I would have thought as a recording artist that one of the great frustrations when maybe people had been involved with a you know that bit huge marketing machine would be that, wait a minute, this isn't me. All of a sudden, yeah. it's a very different identity. Yeah. And that that can last for so long. And maybe, you know, at the first, when the recording contracts are coming in and, and the money's coming in and that uh, profile is rising, then it's all great. But I would have thought at some point, there's that disconnect where somebody says, wait a minute, this isn't about me anymore. It's about something that is much more... Um, manufactured oh absolutely absolutely and i don't think I, th- I think the reason why the music industry particularly through the sort of 90s and the early 2000s was such a great example um was because we were still in that that cycle um music um you know m- music was was on trend and people in certain places were, were almost um determining what it was that we listened to um be it what the record company thought was marketable and what was sellable in league with radio companies who essentially that's how people were being introduced to music. They've been introduced via, via whatever they heard on the radio or whatever was placed on MTV. And there was the whole, a whole cycle that was just, you know, a whole group of people reliant on these things for their, their own survival that just kept the whole thing spinning. Just um, on that though, you know, that makes me smile because I'm thinking about even there when you're saying about radio, you talk about Radio 1, you talk about commercial radio, you talk about MTV and that personal brand is very much about that tribe that you yes. belong to yep. and straight away, you know, the the music that you're, if you align yourself to Radio 1, Radio 2, MTV, the, the music that you're listening to is being dictated to by... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and 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 at what point at what point are you so uh, embedded in that that you actually you think you're discovering music, and in reality you're not. You're being taken in a direction. So you're being there's fed it, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. There's, and there's a great yeah. machine going on behind it. Um, that's that that's you know that that is is taking away that sense of personal empowerment. Where 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 tech then throws in, mm-hmm. and, and obviously once 
musicians can record their own content and can distribute their own content, then suddenly that thing of actually discovering things becomes far more real. So now individuals, you know, and, and we've got to remember Spotify was a thing 15 years ago. It was an illegal thing 15 years ago. It's questionable about its legality. But what started to happen is people started sharing music and had the ability to share music. And then suddenly you're in a situation where artists have far more control of, 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 of how they're perceived um, and actually people can discover things that they you know that they that they like that in, in a far more organic way now whether whether the machine has taken back over and whether we're in a situation where spotify is now feeding us what they think we'll like is, is questionable again but in all of this area what you've got is you've got artists actually interested in their how they're actually being perceived and how they're actually presenting themselves and having the ability to do that because they you know they they're not reliant on somebody anymore to create their own image yeah, so they can get that personality across. I mean, you know, it's a cliche that I try and move away from, but it's it's people buy into people, whatever yeah. industry you're in. Yeah. And if you love some music, then you are likely to look into that person, find out a little bit more about them. Social media has opened that up to us now so that we can find out more about people's lives, what they what they love, what inspires them what inspires their music so all the time you're making this connection with people and for me that clarity of your personal brand so knowing what you stand for and I'm thinking about some of the people that are um, out there I'm thinking about Stormzy at Glastonbury yeah. how he has used and I don't want to get political here but he has used that stage his his music audience to get his message across yeah. and just by that public stance he will attract more people and what's the word I'm looking for once they solidify his following and make his core core uh, followers his core fans even more passionate about him and in from a business uh, point of view once you get those people that are passionate about you then they become your advocates yeah. they become your cheerleaders out in the business world and I don't think there's I think if you look at that as an example and Stormzy as an example and that's a really interesting one I mean what's interesting about Stormzy is not is not necessarily how he's got to where he is it's that he's actually taking the opportunity in that spotlight to actually put across a message and a message he's passionate about mm -hmm. um, now we look at that and go is that anything new well not really because he's always had that element to what he's done artists in the past might have had to wait a long time in their career to have the freedom to then talk about the things they wanted to talk about because yeah, they, the wouldn't have have the day, to, they wouldn't would have been they? allowed to no. it's not, I don't know if it's even case that they wouldn't have been allowed but if you're reliant on a record company to keep doing what you're doing, mm. then at some point the danger is you'll get dropped. And at what point can you financially afford to to, to go it alone? Um, you know, and, and this hits every artist. So um, the thing with the Stormzy example is that actually because of the way he's come to prominence and because of the fact that he's come through in an age where he could self-promote far more and he could actually control the narrative far more then actually what he's doing now is not a surprise because there's a journey that takes us to to what he's doing he's just doing it on bigger stages um i mean i mean if you go back five years and would storms have been able to say what he was saying 
to a B, to to a, a, a you know a BBC Two audience, and the Absolutely. fact is no. Yeah. So now he's just he's his 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 narrative's been clear all the way through, but now he's just in a position where he can he can amplify that. That authenticity, I think, again comes back to that clarity of who you are. And when you you know you you work a lot with and have worked a lot with young artists coming through, and for them it must be quite challenging because I know when I'm working with people who are setting up their own business and I say to them, but your personal brand will attract people and that, you know, you'll gain those advocates that we're talking about. But the reality is it will turn some people off as well and it will push them away. And for a lot of people, especially when you're starting out in business and if you're starting out in whatever career, the thought of pushing people away can be a little bit of a concern to them. So it, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to know how young artists get over that, that, you know, they are so clear about what they're putting out there, their personality, their inspiration, their life. Do they have that issue or is it something that they just, because they have that creative feel to them, that they're just going to run with it anyway? I think, I think with artists... What you what you tend to get with with um, with musicians um, and 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 content creators um, in this particular space is that they don't generally want to be famous for the sake of being famous. Yeah. So then the initial lure is not celebrity, um, and I think the, the the great thing about that, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but the great thing about that is that actually the product that they use um, to present themselves is genuine and they genuinely believe in it and heart and soul goes into it. And I think if you put that amount of time into the thing that you're creating, then it is so draining and it it takes so much of you as an individual that there's an authenticity there to it because in reality there's a huge investment into it. So I think the nice thing about musicians and artists is this isn't isn't just a celebrity pitch, this is a genuine pitch. Mm. Um, I think what that means is that because so much investment goes into the product, then they're very, very passionate about how that product is is presented. So young artists now not only don't have to get involved with with management and don't have to get involved with people that will will steer their career in a direction they might not go, um, they actually actively will will push against that. And I think the point there, um, what that means is that uh, just a simple example. Um, I've got a I've got a friend who's a singer-songwriter and if you go back 10-15 years a singer-songwriter being approached by a music brand in this case it was an electric guitar string brand Mm. um, to use a product any kind of musician in that space would have been flattered by that and would have done whatever that brand wanted because to be an endorsed artist was was a thing Uh, it had kudos Um, the um, the person in question uh, was offered a, a contract with a string company and they asked her um, if she took this to make sure that the fact she was an endorsed artist by this brand was the first thing on her uh, her bio, on her Instagram feed, on her YouTube channel, and on ev- and they wanted a piece of every content she put out. And then they were surprised when she turned around and said, "Why on earth would I do that? Because actually, my my brand, I've got one shot at integrity, and the first now." The fact is they weren't offering a great deal. So it was an easy decision to make because what was being offered in return was was ridiculous. But even in, as soon as she does that, the perception of the public is 
there's money involved there. She yeah, sold out for an influencer piece, yes, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And she just turned and walked. And it, and it was exactly the right decision. And I think so. I think people, you know, people in that situation now. And I don't think it's a thing about age. I think it's just about about being the, the the fact that your credibility is the single thing that you've got, and you only get one go at. You can't. You can't. You know, make yourself. You can't recredibilize yourself. If it, I know no, it's not can't. a verb, but you can't. Once it's gone. <laughs> It's it, gone. It's gone. And it's about perception as well. I mean, this is something that I, I talk about again with clients time after time. You have this personal brand that's going on in your head, but actually there's a personal brand that's out there and that's yeah. the reality. And, you know, again, another cliche, but perception is reality and it's how people get your message, how they receive your message. So however much you think you are coming across in one way you are putting out a certain message if that if there is some breakdown in the communication when it's meeting your audience then you've got a real challenge yeah. there and i think one of the things that social media has allowed is to rather than well it, it, it's a platform to allow a more subtle communication yeah. of those messages yeah. rather than a much more um, marketed much more processed much more manufactured image you're able to build a much more subtle personal brand be it what whatever industry you're in and one of the things that we often talk about and um, something that this audience might be interested in is that how much of myself do I put on my social media feed yeah. and how much of myself should I show to my audience my clients whoever that might be and I think that's that's always going to be the one that for a lot of people is where they might struggle and stumble mm. um, but I think what we end up coming back to is uh, and I think this that probably sits behind all of this is is just what's credible and genuine mm. so I think if the emotion you're portraying and the message you want to share is a heartfelt one and, and it's a real one then I, d I think at that point that helps you determine how far you go um, versus how far you so I think it's you know um, if, if 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 it's a need to be famous then you probably will give away far more and you will probably you know decide to do things that are more extreme because in reality what you're wanting to do is, is, is cut through in yeah. in in a, in a space um and it's and the thing about that is though it's not a genuine it's not a credible part of you you are you are turning yourself into something because you think that's the route to be mm. noticed or be famous i think what a lot of artists will do um is 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 they will in, they will allow people to know enough about them to understand where the music comes from to understand where the emotion comes from and to be accessible but then a lot of musicians won't then feel the need to um you know to do sort of extreme things just to be noticed because in reality what's foremost for them or what's front and center for them is actually the, is actually the music yeah that's that's that stepping into a performance i'm thinking lady gaga here i'm thinking madonna these artists that have stepped into a persona yeah and when i'm working with people on presentation skills or pitching and sometimes however authentic you are sometimes you need to step into a certain persona yeah. to fit the occasion Absolutely. to and I think there are sort of two sides to it here. So you've got your Lady Gaga, the person that she... And, and I think some of that is a little bit about protection as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I would say it's totally about protection. I would say somebody like 
like Lady Gaga, has created a persona because in reality she's probably not comfortable with 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 expressing who she really is. Or I she think probably, she's openly said that at yeah. times, hasn't she? Yeah. And 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 I think so. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with with that route, and I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with creating that kind of persona. I mean, you go back far enough. David Bowie was doing it in the early seventies. It's a uh, you know, and it, it often it often helps very. Um, people who are probably quite shy to to actually uh, you know to, to 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 almost exist in that space. You know that's quite interesting, David Bowie and even Madonna that we've mentioned there. In that one of the things I always talk about with personal branding is consistency. Yeah. And that it, with both of those, there is that uh, consistency of change, that consistency of the unexpected. Yeah. But actually, they're changing all the time yeah. and. I would always say that a strong brand is about I know exactly what I'm going to get next, but they perhaps uh, challenge that in some ways. No, they absolutely did. And I think that talks to, I think that's where you talk to creativity and I think that's where you talk to individuals are different to companies. So I think if we're talking about companies, it's very difficult for a company to shift itself on a regular basis because that's that's not what people would expect and i think when you look at companies who've tried to 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 remodel themselves it's often not worked out very well because you've spent 10 15 years building a perception of what they are and then they try and shift and morph into something else and that's quite a difficult transition whereas for an individual it's a it's a much easier transition plus the investment is often with the individual rather than so you'll get You'll get people who will say, "Well, I like the I like David Bowie, but I only like the Ziggy Stardust stuff, and mm, I didn't like the absolutely. stuff in the eighties." And, yeah. and that, and at that point, that person's invested in that particular genre of music or that particular style. Then you'll get a lot of other fans who will follow the artist and will take that journey with the artist and will like all of the output um, because the, the investment's in the, is actually in the artist rather than just a particular part of their catalogue. But I still think that's easier to do if you're. An individual, rather than you know, as a, as, a, as a as a company or as a thing, I think that's quite very challenging. Whereas an individual, I, I think it's certainly easily doable. You see, this this takes me on to your your sales experience now because I've had clients say to me in the past, "Well, Deborah, I've always been told that you should be flexible with your brand. You should flex it to meet the situation." And and somebody once said to me, "I should be like a chameleon now." I would always say you don't want to be a chameleon because a chameleon changes to blend in. But for me, it's about having that core brand. So this is who I am and this is the non-negotiable. Yeah. When, you, when you meet Deborah Ogden, when you meet Anthony Short, this is what you are going to get. Now, it might be very different when I'm coaching one-to-one. It might be very different when I'm in a school environment or when I'm on the stage. But the core of who I am, you're you're always going to get that. And I'm just interested um, to share how, from a a sales experience, how you flexed your brand, your style, to meet certain customer needs, maybe to to nail that that pitch. This, what's really interesting in, in what you said there was was the bit about the core brand because. For me, it's always been about self-awareness um, and understanding the things that I'm comfortable doing, that I do, I do you know, reasonably well, uh, means that actually what I do is I don't go anywhere near the things that I know I can't do very well. But you need that self-awareness for that, which yeah. is a challenge. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I think being honest with yourself about the things and, and the areas where you are comfortable um, means that 
you you actually bizarrely become even more comfortable in that space and that's and that then the self-awareness leads to the self-belief so that actually the things that you spend your time doing um are are, are the things that ultimately will will be rewarding so you know there's lots of areas i i mean i am not i can be a detail guy but I, only for a short space of time because I haven't got the patience for it and I haven't got the attention span for it. So there's no way I could be an accountant or there's no way I could be. Now, would I like to think I could be a lawyer? Yes, but that's probably the sales side of it. That's probably the bit of me that wants to be in court making the big pitch and making the big argument and trying to change challenge, pe- challenge and change and, and, for, and help people form opinion. And that probably is the same reason why, you know, I've, I've been in sales for such a, such a long period of time. But it all comes down to that awareness of knowing the things that I'm comfortable doing and the things that I'm, I'm not. And I think from a sales perspective, what that really means, and it's kind of bizarre from somebody who spends most of his life talking, is, is, is empathy is about taking taking myself and putting myself in the in in the position of the person I'm I'm speaking to or even if I don't put myself directly in their position putting myself in between the two things that are, are going on so can I, I can actually take a more balanced view of, of of what's going down i mean sales sales is weird because i can't sell you anything it's virtually impossible in which it is impossible for anybody to sell something to somebody else at the end of the day the, the sales journey is a personal one for the person that, that ultimately consumes whatever it is, is they consume i love this because we've talked about this before and this was a real light bulb for me and i'm really glad you brought this up today because for me you know somebody who runs my own business Obviously, sales is part of it, and I always think, oh, and I know when I'm talking to clients, it's an area they're concerned with. But this concept of yours is of, you know, you can't sell to people. No, it it you, was a light bulb for me. No, so. no, no, you can't. At the end of the day, um, you know, I've, I've I've been on shop floors many, many years. Somebody walks in, um, they might just be sheltering from the rain, in which case, you, you know, it's a switch-off moment. But if somebody walks in, the, 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 the chances are... You know, 99 out of 100 people walking the door have already made a decision that there is something in that environment that that is going to change their lives. Now, it might be very practical, might be a washing machine, might be something that they just need. In which case, it becomes a very simple thing of 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 of, of, of taking somebody's needs and just pointing them towards the thing that 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 you know. So that, you're their guide. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. You're help. You're just helping them with the process because you already know there's something they want, and ultimately, then it's a it's it's just qualifying that requirement and saying right well this actually you know this and this will do this you, you make a decision but that piece about empathy there um when i when i'm working with people one-to-one particularly i talk about warmth and strength and amy cuddy's written a brilliant book about this called presence she talks about that warmth and strength and actually you need to build that empathy you need to build that trust before that you can come in with the credibility piece yeah. and the competency yeah. piece and actually if you don't have that empathy we've all been the experience when we have been sold, sold to, to and and I choose the words carefully there and also you feel manipulated because that hasn't that person hasn't listened to your needs yeah I mean in the same way in the same way that you can't sell anything to anybody else then the other side of the coin is if you haven't got the, the personality to be in a sales role to be and I shouldn't say sales role but to be in that situation then you can't teach that either yeah Th- that you know what you do is you end up teaching some people about you know about open questions and about about you, you, you the process yes you, you you create you create a structure that gets information out of somebody in in a in, in a very forced and very unnatural way and that goes back to that 
what you said, you know, a couple of minutes ago about knowing your strengths. Yeah. And, and if that is something that you have naturally, and, and maybe at that point, if you're running your own business, you say, you know what, this is something I'm not comfortable with. I'm going to find somebody who can do this for me or I'll, I'll get myself to a certain point that where I need to be. Yep. But actually, as my business grows and I'm going to get somebody who this is their strength, this is something that they can fly at and I can benefit from those skills. It, it, it kind of doesn't matter when you're in when you're in that environment. All you need to be is visible. Uh, and that might be a physically being visible in a space or that, is that showing just, up. Yeah. It's just people knowing you're there and you're mm. available so that when they somebody wants to either ask you something which might be technical it might not but in most cases it's validation people are seeking mm. i'm thinking about getting this because i do this do you think that would be okay and all and all that's all that is then that's a second opinion and invariably the reason why you ask somebody in a, a music store for a second opinion is because you're probably on your own and you're probably the significant others in your life really don't want to be there and you just want somebody to take an interest in what you're doing yeah. so it's yeah. not it's 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 almost you're asking you're, you're you're seeking validation you're seeking reassurance and you're looking for somebody who kind of is comfortable in the same space you're in who will help you and that's going back to the tribe thing we yeah, talked about absolutely. you know it, it, we like people who are like us yeah. um and and coming back to from a a, a core personal branding point of view in a sales environment if you've got that strong brand if you've built that strong personal brand then my belief is that people will already know about you before you've walked through that door yeah. and my um my my guidance to my clients is that you want to be that front of mind person so that actually when somebody wants a piece of music equipment then who are they going to come to yeah. they know the exact person yeah. so yes you've got the challenge of sales but actually your personal branding can help you build that reputation so because it, it, a, a great uh, pal of mine who um is who works in brand always says None of us like to be sold out, but we all like to buy. Yes. And it's that, yes, I know just the person I'm going yeah. to go to. Yeah. Well, you only ever speak to somebody when you want, because you because ultimately you're not 100% sure. Um, that's the only reason you'll speak to an individual. If you really know what it is that you want, particularly in 2019, then you'll just click a button. Because what else do you need to do? Why do you need to prolong the process? So let's say for argument's sake, and we'll take it back to World Arnay, let's say you, you want to buy a guitar. If you absolutely know the guitar that you want, the only reason you will go and do that and buy that from a, a, a store is because you want to take people along in, 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 to that moment with you. That's the emotional connection. That's the emotional connection. So you want people to see you buying that thing. You want to be seen as the person who's who's spending a few thousand pounds on a particular thing that for a lot of people might be something aspirational. And you want everybody in that store as well to know that it's you that's buying that thing. If, if it's just a case of, and you don't want that particular experience and you don't want to be at the center of that experience and you don't need that recognition or that validation, then you'll just click a button. As 
with a client a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about those special moments that people are touched by you know it's how you make people feel and we were talking about cars and how when they took their car in for service they always got a tin of sweets and we actually ended up by the end of the workshop the day we were calling it how do you create those tin of sweets moments and those become part of your personal brand it's what you're known for the consistency piece comes in there because when people experience you then they're expecting those little bits of extra those exceeding your customers expectations and what a great part of your personal brand i think and we're back a little bit to self-awareness and we're also back to to your personal brand having integrity and to have integrity your personal brand or the brand of your business needs to be very aware of what it what it is that it stands for what you're trying to do and and actually the people that you're trying to attract um it's absolutely fine to say to somebody this is probably not the right place for you Mm. i might not be the right person for you to speak to because your set of experiences or your requirements don't align with what we're trying to do you can't please everybody and you're and 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 thinking that you can is a really is a slippery slope so and i give you and and there's a crazy crazy kind of way of thinking of this but i was in a coffee store yesterday absolutely fantastic stunning flat white um but in a in home firth and um there's a perception with Home Firth of the kind of people who wander around Home Firth on a on a daily basis. Now, this particular store wouldn't sell you a, and I'm going to be very stereotypical, but wouldn't sell you a toasted tea cake, or mm. wouldn't sell you a, a you know, a, a scone and cream, or this, that, and the other. That's going to turn off a potential part of their audience. But what that place is very definite about its brand, its identity, the people it's trying to attract and its menu and what it does is geared very much for that. And funnily enough, you know, how many cafes are there in in coffee shops in Home Firth? And I know exactly where you're talking about just by that description. So somebody has absolutely nailed their brand Uh, there. and, and, And that's exactly what you should do. And I think you need to do that as an individual as well. Um, you know, I am, I would say I fall into the, the Marmite category. Um, I couldn't possibly comment. No, no, no. (laughs) Um, that's probably why we get on, but, um, that comes from that self-awareness and the fact that the things that I, um, that, that I'm confident that I, I can do well, I project and I will, um, you know, I, I've used the second time, word for the second time, but I'll, I'll, I'll amplify those things, which means that is going to wind some people up. That is not going to be the person that they want to deal with. They are not comfortable with my personality type. But that's absolutely fine because there's a definite idea then of, of, of who I am and I've got a definite idea of how, who, who I am, which means that what I don't ever try and be is somebody I'm not. So I will never chameleonize. And I never really chameleonize when I was in, you know, when I do sales either. Um, at the end of the day, the, because I don't sell to people, bizarrely, I have less chance of putting people off. So even though my character is quite, yeah, you know, is quite that. forceful, mm. what I won't do is go and do a pitch. I will wait for people to come to me. They might, we might not then get on, and that's and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what there isn't is a script. What there isn't is is a moment of me trying to think. Well, that person's like that. How do I pitch myself to them? No, actually, what I do is just say I've got to be credible, credible and genuine. You see, th- this is is perhaps a subject for another day. But for me, that's that conditioning, though, that people pleasing side, yeah. and 
you know, we've both got young boys that are growing up and, and um, I'm thinking of my son and how strong he is in his, you know, if if Oscar doesn't want to do something, he, he will it. not do it. No. And you know that. And I wish I could have some of that. I wish I'd had that at that that age. And when I'm, I'm talking to clients, they'll say, but, you know, if I do this and if I stand for that, then X, Y and Z over there won't come. So what? So what? So what in the long run? And you, you only have to look in politics, the strength of Trump's brand, mm. where that's got him, you know, a strong brand, a powerful brand, wherever you sit within politics, it will turn some people off. Yeah. But those, you know, we, we've said it before, you will get your advocates, you will people get the people that will... Uh, share your message for you and and the businesses that I'm working with the smaller businesses need those sales forces out there those people that will you know sing their praises from the from the rooftops no I totally agree I totally agree we've covered various topics there we've gone from sales music I didn't think we were talking about Lady Gaga but there you go in the same sentence as Trump I'd just like to wrap up a couple of thoughts from a personal branding and impact point of view just having that clarity of brand so knowing exactly what it is that you stand for not being frightened of being Marmite, those people that love you will buy into you and they will stay with you for a long, long time. Knowing your strengths, that self-awareness piece that Anthony talked about and building on those and building your profile so your brand's out there and people come knocking on your door because they know you're the expert in that field and they want to buy from you. Coming next time on On Brand With. I remember meeting someone once and um, he, he, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen him for maybe two, three years and he steams up to me in the, this networking event. Paul! And he goes, I was thinking about you the other day. And I was like, well, yeah, why, why? What were you doing? And he goes, I was looking at this website. And I was like, which one? And he goes, it's called shiteshirts.com. And I thought of you straight away. And I, I didn't know how to take it. I thought... My shirt's on that shite, but then I looked down and thought, oh, actually, they are. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. I'd love you to join in the conversation as well, and the best way to do that is through social media. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at do underscore impact. And if you'd like to sign up to my newsletter or know more about my work, please go to my website at deborahogden.com. Tune in for further episodes and please subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends if you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production. Music